Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sports Headlines. Uh, I am Warner Sanker coming back with another episode of SH News 30. So um, we have some news, the NFL, as well as World Series Game 3 preview. But first, a message from Podco. Today's podcast is sponsored by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. It provides pod- podcasters with, with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podco. Um, apply now to become a member and get your first advertisement up and be sure when you're applying for that advertisement, you mentioned sports headlines and the how I learned about Podgo section, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Um, also a big shout out to Crossover Media at Crossover365 on Instagram and Twitter, powering <clears throat> this broadcast. Um, Let's, let's go to the World Series uh, first. We've got uh, game three coming up tonight. Um, we saw the Rays win game two, six to four, and the Dodgers won game one, eight to three. Um, and there are a few concerns that we have coming into this game. Um, number one, how is Walker Bueller going to handle the spotlight of a very, very important game three? If the Rays win this game, they are in control of the series. as you know, Kershaw is always a concern pitching-wise. Um, if they win this game, that means their bats are going to have to put balls in play against Walker Bueller. And we're in, and the pitching is going to have to be stout, especially from the bullpen. Um, Brandon Lowe had two home runs in game two, and the Rays as a whole scored half the runs in game one than they did game two. <laughs> and Brandon Lowe was the difference. Um, he was not having too a too good of a postseason. He had 14 homers and hit just under 270 at 269. In the regular season, he was arguably the Rays' best hitter during the regular season. And if he has found his bat in that two-hole lineup, then he is going to be big for this team scoring runs and hitting line drives against Walker Bueller in this game three and in the games to come. Uh, both of his home runs were actually opposite field blasts um, and line drives of that. So they weren't towering fly balls, um, you know, to right field down the line. He had a line drive to left center um, for his first one. And then his second one was line drive to left. So um, that's, that's basically telling me that he's getting the bat head out there. He's, you know, following good path to the ball and uh, hitting the ball at a line drive angle which is key because if it doesn't get out, it's going to bounce off the wall. It's not just going to be a fly out. Um, a, second, a second concern is Dustin May gave up three runs in that game, which was really a difference, a six to four win. If he wouldn't have given that second home run up to um, our buddy, um, Brendan Lowe, and, and then the Dodgers probably would have won this game. Um, the Dust, Dustin May is really a guy who has a really nice fastball, good breaking stuff, and nothing he really throws is straight. He throws a two-seam fastball, which has bend in it, fading away from lefties and in towards righties. And you know what? He really is not looking good um, during this, especially this World Series, but during the playoffs in general. They're kind of using him as kind of like a uh, an opener 
But then at the same time, a guy who comes in in big moments and later hitting sixth, seventh, eighth, um, and he he does not look comfortable. He does not look like he knows what he's doing and what he want, how he wants to attack the hitters. And as a result, his stuff is being diminished. He's not having the same zip on his fastball. He's not having the same spin rate and cut on his breaking pitches. And he gets in there. He 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 delivers some good pitches. He gives up a hit or two, maybe walks somebody. And then somebody else has to come in because the other team's threatening. And there's not three outs. And and now that pitcher is in a, is in a tough spot as a result of that. Um, we've got another storyline coming into this game. Will who, – who will really carry this lineup for the Dodgers into the promised land if they are to win this game? Um, Corey Seager has, was probably an MVP candidate um, or even frontrunner during uh, before he had Tommy John surgery, then he missed the whole year. They traded for Mookie Betts. Obviously, Cody Bellinger won MVP last year. And then you have guys like Justin Turner, who was a playoff hero for the Mets um, and, and has been a staple in the Dodgers lineup for a while. Max Muncy's the, 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 one of the best hitters right now and just driving and runs. So um, Corey Seager right now is hitting 302 and has seven homers um, in the playoffs. And Mookie Betts, you know, is – creating havoc, but he's really doing most of it on the base paths and with his glove in right field. Corey Seager is hitting the ball hard and far, and that's why he has seven homers in the postseason and hitting 302. You can't just hit the ball, you know, way up in the air, and if it goes out, it goes out, and you have a high home run rate, but you're hitting 220, and your on-base percentage is 234. Um, and then Bellinger, He's not having the best postseason right now, but at the same time, we have seen him, you know, in the last few games produce and last year um, during the regular season and a little bit in the postseason. Um, so it's it's really – it's going to be – the Dodgers are going to have to have that solidified number one hitter, the guy that they can rally around that when he's coming up to the plate, you know, someone's either about to get started or somebody's about to get driven in. Um, you know, the Rays had that last night with Brandon Lowe and, and before with Randy or Rosarena, who was having an outstanding pro season. He's, I believe, tied with Derek Jeter for most hits uh, by a rookie in the postseason, which is, you know, anything you're tied with Derek Jeter in um, is, is pretty, pretty good. And you know what? He hasn't hit a home run um, this this World Series yet. And you know what? Brandon Lowe, again, caught fire at the right time because he – you've got to have somebody producing in the middle of that order. Brandon Lowe hits two-hole. Rosarena usually hits in three-hole um, since, since he's been um, hot. He got walked, of course, twice last night or two nights ago in game two. But he has – Basically, he was on a, such a hot streak that his last 12 plate appearances, he has not hit a home run, and people are concerned. All I'm saying is he's a young player. He's got pop. He's, he knows how to hit the ball well and hit line drives. He's going to get his at some point. We're going to have at least three more games in this series, and if Randy Rosarena does not hit a home run or have that breakout night or have another great night, then I will be thoroughly surprised, and I'm sure 
um, he will be disappointed in himself. Um, uh, as 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 much as everybody else is surprised, he does not hit a home run. Um, we have a great pitching duel tonight. Charlie Morton, probably the best pitcher on the Rays in terms of just consistency going in, going out. Not necessarily the best stuff. That's got probably got to be class now. Um, not necessarily the nastiest stuff. That's probably got to be Snell. But the best overall pitcher, <clears throat> uh, Charlie Morton, he has thrown <laughs> – he, he has only thrown five innings um, twice all season. But the second time was game seven of the ALCS – of course, the Rays won that to come to the World Series. Will Charlie Morton be able to put in six-plus innings, quality innings, for the Rays giving up no more than two runs? That is the question. Um, in game four, you really – it's probably going to be another one of those, you know, hey, you go pitch one time through the lineup, now you pitch one time through the lineup, now you pitch one time through the lineup. Game five, uh, Glass now will have enough rest to – be able to um, pitch in game five and we're going we're, we're probably going to see Morton again in game seven um, and probably Snell in six so if Snell can put together a really really nice um, performance today save some bullpen arms and even if they lose this game we're going to see a game four which is probably going to be one of those bullpen games where you have an opener and then everybody goes one time through the lineup until the game's over um and you know what? If if Morton saves the arms tonight, that's going to make a game four win for the Rays all that more likely. And then you've got Glass now, Snell, and Morton again um, to end the series off in the last three games. That's going to be so hard for the Dodgers to overcome. Um, easily the best starting rotation that we've seen this playoffs, probably because we only saw two of the Red starters as they got swept by the Braves. Um, to the flip side, you have Walker Bueller starting for the Dodgers, easily their best pitcher. Um, he has just pitched almost amazingly. He's thrown 53 and a third postseason earning innings and given up 10 earned runs. Um, and for all those who don't know how to calculate ERA or just want me to tell you, that's a 169 ERA. And you know what? He is he is dominant in the playoffs. Throughout his whole career, from 2018 to to now, um, and it's it's just if he can put in seven innings of one run ball, the Dodgers are going to win this game. Um, the way he can just run through a lineup, mow through a lineup, and demoralize you, and then you put in a reliever who is can change up the pace, who's not throwing 100 miles out an hour every pitch, and then when it's not 100 miles, it's a it's a 78 mile an hour slider, or or a changeup that just drops off the table. Then um, the Rays are going to be in for a very very tough game, which it makes it all more all that more important that Charlie Morton pitches very very well and does not uh, does not make the bullpen come in to kind of clean up a mess or just pitch five good innings or or four good innings um, because especially the way that Kevin Cash and the Rays do it, that's probably going to be five to six pitchers for four innings um, as he likes to really match up and play analytics like that. <clears throat> um, game three in Major League history. 
is probably the most influential uh, game of, of a seven-game series for this reason. Whoever wins game three usually wins the series 70% of the time, which makes it all that more important that, again, Snell or um, sorry, Morton and Bueller pitch to the best of their abilities, which is honestly a, a shutout of, of the opposing team. Um, that's the best they can do, and I'm sure they are both doing it or, or going to at least give all of their effort to throw six, seven, eight innings of, of shutout ball. But the Rays are, are again, most likely going to have a bull, bullpen game in game four. Um, probably Julio Urias, the young lefty uh, for the Dodgers, is probably going to pitch in game four. Then game five might be Kershaw again. Um, so whoever wins this game is going to really, really give themselves a big, big seat, um, a big, big stake in this in this World Series and is probably going to win the series. But the Dodgers need this game more than the Rays do. Again, the Rays can close this series out with a Glasnow, Snell, Glasnow, Snell, and Morton five, six, game five, six, seven. So if the Dodgers lose tonight, then the Rays don't necessarily have to go Glass now, Snell, Morton, and maybe they can just go Glass now, Snell, or Glass now, Morton, um, or even Snell and Morton, which is going to make it harder for the Dodgers hitters because they're not going to see um, the same pitchers over and over and over like the Cubs saw Corey Kluber um, in what 2016, 2017. Um, so that is the Dodgers need this game more for the reason of you're you're winning a game. With your ace, which is going to make your ace pitch better the next time he pitches because he is going to pitch again. Um, but it's also going to make your lineup more confident and it's going to demoralize the Rays and make you be able to see Charlie Morton again in a game seven or game six. And you'll be that much more familiar with him. And assuming you win this game, you're going to have to at least score two, three or four runs off of this, of, off of the Rays pitching staff. and. Charlie Morton doesn't give up all that many runs. So if you see him well in this game and win this game, then you're going to see him better in game seven and give you that much more of a shot to win game seven. Um, last night, we saw the Eagles beat the Giants 22 to 21. Uh, what a game there. And you know what? The Eagles did not impress me at all. Uh, I just went on the record and said, Think the Eagles are going to win the division. They are one win closer to winning said division, but they did not look very, very good. They scored on their first drive. It looked like a really good drive. They scored on their last drive. It looked like the Giants' defense kind of just got tired and broke down. Carson Wentz looks a whole lot better. He looks so much better than he did to start the season that if he can if he can play if he can just clean up the mistakes and I'll talk about him later on if he can clean up the mistakes the eagles are going to be right in the thick of things um for for winning the division uh if you can hear that pardon me um but they're going to be right in the thick of things for winning the division and possibly making a run in the playoffs depending on who um they end up drawing in the first round 
you've got the Eagles winning um, 22-21, but at the, at, at the same time, great win for them. Guess what? Another starter gets hurt for the Eagles. Deshaun Jackson is down with a believed ankle sprain, um, leaving this game early, which makes it even harder on Carson Wentz, which is even more, which makes it even more important for him to play the way he did. I saw zip on the ball. I saw accurate balls downfield. I saw him extending plays and moving around with the offensive line not being able to do anything uh, against the pass rush for the Giants, which, quite frankly, is not good at all. Um, and Carson Wentz was making, for the most part, good decisions um, in throwing the ball downfield. Even on, on that last drive, he threw a great ball. I believe it was Boston Scott for the touchdown. Um right over the defender's shoulder, into the hands of Scott. Touchdown, Eagles, they, they're up 22-21. to 21. They missed the two-point conversion, but um, they still have the lead. Carson Wentz, though, did make some bad decisions, um, which is concerning to say, to say the least. Um, you cannot necessarily – he threw one ball across the field, off his foot while on the run, and just into double coverage. And, and that's – you need to throw the ball away. And I was watching that play, and I saw he was scrambling. I looked downfield uh, as far as the TV would let me see, and I saw everybody was covered up. And I saw him rolling out to his right, and he threw a ball. And I was like, oh, no, don't – why would you throw that? You should have just thrown it away, taken the loss of a down, and, and lived, lived to play another down because – he threw that right to um, the Eagles defender, or the Giants defender. I forget who it was. Uh, James Bradbury. That's who it was. And um, it, it was just not in the, uh, It was not a good throw at all. Although James Bradbury is really <laughs> putting a season together. Um, he has at least four picks on the season. I want to say. Um, and and he is really that Giants secondary is looking even better. Give me one second, you all. There we go. I hope that is better. Um, yeah, James Bradbury on the season with that interception last night, that was his third pick of the year. So um, three picks in seven weeks, something that uh, a coaching staff is going to take every single season of every single year. Um, so I would give Carson Wentz probably a, around a C, C-plus grade for that game just because of the poor decision-making that he did make that almost cost the Eagles and the way that offense really couldn't do anything um, during the middle part of that game. But credit to the Eagles. They won the game uh, despite the ugliness of that said win. And they live to uh, play another and and probably win the, in, uh, the NFC East. Other NFC news, uh, NFC East news, so you all remember when Dwayne Haskins got benched, right? And everybody was 
concerned about, you know, why would they bench him? Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen's not good. Dwayne Haskins should have been the sixth overall pick, should have went to the Giants. What are you doing, Ron Rivera? And Ron Rivera said that um, he basically benched Haskins because of gut feelings. And you know what? I got to I gotta trust him right there. When you are a coach like Ron Rivera is and you've proven yourself throughout the NFL, it's okay to have gut feelings. You've coached in the NFL for a while. And you know what? We saw some stuff from Dwayne Haskins, uh, lack of development, lack of focusness, um, lack of leadership. Um, that is really concerning. Um, there have been stories of his um, of him in practice where, you know, he hasn't really been going hard in practice because he had the number one job solidified. He hasn't really been pushing himself. Um, he he really hasn't been leading his his teammates and and taking responsibility in practice no matter how um the offense does uh in seven on sevens or team drills and he's been you know snappy at his at his receivers or or o-line for not doing things right even if he isn't playing very very well uh rivera said it it does look a little inconsistent but consistency is is that i'm but the consistency that i'm going to make um, then based on what I know, on my gut feelings, Rivera um, said, hopefully they're good decisions. If they're not, we'll know and I'll take responsibility. That's for doggone sure. Um, he benched Dwayne Haskins after Haskins threw three picks in week three. Um, he really, Haskins did not look good at all. Um, and you know what? He got benched because of it. Rivera told uh, NBC Sports in Washington that it was an 11-week evaluation, not a four-game one. So going back to last year, he had been looking at uh, Haskins on film and had not seen what he wanted to see. And with the attitude of Haskins, it was just, you know, not not what he was looking for and hoping to send a message to the young quarterback through benching uh, him in that game. So that if in case anybody was wondering, is why Haskins ended up getting benched um, for the Washington football team. Uh, speaking of young quarterbacks in potential trouble for their starting job and or their career, um, we've got some young quarterbacks in the NFL that are not looking good at all. Baker Mayfield, uh, Sam Darnold isn't looking very good. Haskins himself, Daniel Jones. And I'm going to talk to you about now why these QBs are in trouble and what should happen um, and what the team should do based on, based on their quarterback's performance. Most importantly, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are coming up for their fifth-year options. Um, in the new CBA, the fifth year is automatically guaranteed, and even if the player is cut, it's full guaranteed. And um, they are under contract for that for that um, season. Now, if Baker Mayfield and or Sam Darnold is playing particularly bad, that's just tough for the for the team, as um, as it's it's a fully guaranteed contract. And these first overall and third overall draft picks are not cheap. 
um, at all in terms of a cap hit. Um, Case Keenum is the backup right now for the Browns. Joe Flacco is the backup for the Jets. And um, Haskins, of course, has two QBs behind him. He's already been benched. And then the Giants are in line to have a top five pick, probably a top three pick next next season uh, for this upcoming draft and could draft a quarterback, especially if, say, a Trevor Lawrence falls in their lap. What should these teams do with these quarterbacks, starting with Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield had a lot of com- comparisons to a Drew Brees or um, you know, a Russell Wilson at the top, but I really think he's turned more into kind of a Mark Sanchez, a game manager who's going to be you know pretty good, but you're going to have to rely on the defense and the run game really to go far. And we saw that work. Mark Sanchez and the Jets went to an AFC championship game with Rex Ryan as their, um, as their coach, um, leading that defense to dominance with Darrell Revis, um, Antonio Cromartie, and, and everybody else. But Baker Mayfield is not playing particularly well. You see defenses kind of starting like a cover three look or cover one look, and then all of a sudden play cover two man with the two uh, two high safeties and man coverage underneath. Or they start in like a cover two man look or cover four look, and then they switch into you know a cover two where it's just two high safeties and five players underneath in the zone, or a cover three by having three up top and four underneath. And, and it's confusing Baker Mayfield so bad that he's making poor reads. We saw it. Mika Fitzpatrick followed Baker's eyes the whole time. Baker was looking at the rookie tight end, Hunter Bryant, the whole time. He stared him down. Fitzpatrick jumped the route, pick six for the Steelers. Um, another interception, I forget who it was too, but again, they changed the coverage up. They changed the coverage from a pre-snap look to the post-snap coverage. And another pick thrown by Baker Mayfield. What a surprise. Um, or not, as I as as you would say, um, and and Mayfield I think is in trouble for this job, especially since the Browns want to compete and have the roster to compete um, this season. Even last season, they they had the roster to compete, and it's really costing them valuable years in terms of contracts. Or you know, Kareem Hunt, he's a guy that was not signed to a long-term deal. He was cut uh, following a domestic abuse scandal um, or, or an arrest, uh, not a domestic abuse, but but an arrest um, because of physical violence. And he was cut by the Chiefs um, and the Browns signed him. He was suspended. He served his suspension. And now he's the main running back. Now that Nick, Nick Chubb's hurt and he's producing. He's not producing, you know, five yards a carry and 120 yards a game, but he is producing and giving them a shot um, with him running out of the backfield and catching the ball out of the backfield and showing us shades of Kansas City rookie year, rookie of the year, pro bowler Kareem Hunt that was probably a top three back in the game. Um, and, you know, when you have a guy like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield, you have Odell Beckham Jr. as, a, as your number one receiver and then Jarvis Landry, who is a more than capable slot guy and an outside guy. As your number two, you sign Austin Hooper, who came off a big season in Atlanta at tight end. Uh, your offensive line, you drafted a tackle in, in um, Jedrick Wills with your first pick in, in last year's draft. 
your offensive line shaping up. You've got Amir Garrett, who's probably a top five pass rusher in the game. Uh, you've got two nice young developing corners. You drafted a safety. You you've got you've got these guys that are that are ready to compete and ready to compete right now. And when you're not playing quarterback at the level that you should be, your job is in uh, question. Your skills are in question. And we've seen Case Keenum be that game manager who can distribute the ball to his receivers, a.k.a. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, um, or just hand the ball off to a running back, a.k.a. Dalvin Cook. Um, and you know what? The Browns have a better backfield than the Vikings did. They have probably the same amount of receiving talent um, overall as the Vikings did. And the Vikings had a better defense, yes, but at the same time, pass rush is there for the Browns. The secondary is is coming up and, and is right right outside the door. And you know what? Cleveland needs to figure out if Baker Mayfield is the guy. And and if if I'm Cleveland, I'm accepting the fifth year option. Yes, it's all guaranteed. If I have to, he just sets the bench for the next two seasons. And Case Keenum is my starting quarterback. Um up until Baker can prove himself. Now, do I think they should bench Baker Mayfield this week? Absolutely not. If he has a horrendous game against a not-too-good Bengals defense and then follows that up with an absolute stinker next week, I, I think you got to say you bench Baker Mayfield. Sam Darnold, boy, oh, boy, I feel bad for him. He honestly was a better quarterback prospect coming out of college but Baker Mayfield had all the hype, Oklahoma, college football playoffs, Heisman, um, stats, numbers. And so he got taken first. Um, and, you know, Sam Darnold coming out of USC was not in that Oklahoma offense, which really just makes the quarterback and the receivers look and play very, very, very well. We saw it. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Um, and you know what? Sam Darnold is not the problem with New York. Adam Gase is a problem with New York. The strife between the defensive coordinator, coordinator Greg Williams, and Adam Gase, the offensive play caller, um, the struggle between, between the defense and the offense. The defense is playing reasonably. They're not playing too great, but they are limiting the points. The Jets have scored, I believe it was, six touchdowns this whole season, and one of them was a pick six. So I think they scored six offensive touchdowns and seven total. You should not only score six more touchdowns than your defense does if, if you're a competent offense. Um, I don't think the Packers have had it. No, the Packers have had one defensive touchdown all week or all, all year with Shannon Sullivan getting a pick six. But Aaron Rodgers is thrown for 13. Aaron Jones, I think, has rushed for five. So that's an 18 to one ratio right there. Right now you're at a third of that at six to one for the Jets. And that is absolutely horrendous. I think Sam Darnold is going to end up getting benched and his career is going to end up going down the drain. And honestly, Adam Gase is at, is completely at fault. Sam Darnold should get another chance, whether that's with the Jets or with another team will remain to be seen. But if they, if the Jets get the first overall pick, we saw, we saw the Cowboys do it back in the day with Herschel Walker trade it for probably three or four other first-round picks, a few seconds and thirds, and maybe a player or two to be named later. Um, 
and and you get all that you can for a potential Hall of Fame franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence and and get out of that number one spot, fire Adam Gase, hire a guy like Eric Bieniemy, um, who we know can can train can just call the crap out of the game for the offense. We've seen it in Kansas City for the last three seasons. Um, and even with Alex Smith, I mean, Alex Smith isn't nowhere near the talent of Patrick Mahomes, but guess what? Alex Smith wasn't a complete bum in Kansas City either. They were at least getting to the playoffs and going moderately far, more than the Jets have. Um, so I think you got to get uh, a good play caller, offensive coordinator, head coach in there, get Adam Gase out the door, out of the Jets' whole system. Don't promote him to GM. Please don't promote him to GM and get another coach. Just don't do that. Get the butt fumble out of New York and play some football and 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 make New York fans happy because we all know the Giants are not looking good either. And let's go to Daniel Jones now. Uh, Daniel Jones has a lot of talent right now. He's just a very, very raw prospect. Um, he has some good weapons in New York. Uh, I know Saquon Barkley's hurt right now, but when Saquon's healthy, you got Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, uh, Golden Tate, and those are five really nice skilled position players uh, for you to have in your surrounding core. It's just the the mental capacity, the processor, and um, the decision-making that is killing Daniel Jones, as well as the defense not really being able to stop very much except for the run and the offensive line not being able to block very much um, unless it's four QB spies that are just backing off two yards and waiting. Um, I don't think he necessarily is in trouble of getting benched, but what I do think is if he doesn't show some significant growth in the next two seasons, I don't necessarily think you pick up that fifth-year option um, the year after a guy like Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold would get his. Um, the last quarterback I'm going to talk about is Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is in some serious trouble. He is kind of plateauing, and you know what? You cannot plateau in the NFL. It's what have you done for me lately, not what could you possibly do for me or what might you do with better coaching, or if I sign this receiver, what can you do, is what have you done for me lately in the NFL? And Haskins has done almost nothing lately except for stay the same player that he was coming out of college, and that was a raw player as well. A lot of these quarterbacks are raw, raw quarterbacks, but they show potential. So teams draft them early and up high. And you know what? Haskins has not proven his truthers right. I thought he was probably one of the second best, if not the best, pure passing quarterback coming out of that draft. Kyler Murray, obviously the best, best out of that draft. And honestly, Daniel Jones has played better up to this point than Dwayne Haskins has. And that's a big thing, especially when he was picked in your spot, essentially. Um, so it's it's concerning to see Haskins at this point. And you know what? I think benching him was the right decision. We'll see how his attitude is. But at, sports are are an 80 to 90 percent mental game and, and not, uh, you know, I'm the best athlete. So I'm going to be the best player of all time. It's mental toughness, mental fortitude and, and the drive 
to get better and the want to get better. Um, that really creates a great athlete um, in any sport, especially the NFL. So those four quarterbacks are, are, are in slippery slopes for me. But I think the person with the safest, safest job, in my opinion, is Sam Darnold, simply because he has crazy man Adam Gase, who doesn't know what the heck he's doing as his head coach. And unless some um, the owner of the Jets makes a bonehead decision, decides to move on from Darnold, thinking he's the problem over Adam Gase, I think Darnold's in a, in a safer spot um, this year. Last topic um, that I'm going to talk with you guys, the Raiders' Trent Brown ended up moving his contact tracing device, removing it from his body, which was a breach, breach, breach of protocol. But him and the other four starting offensive linemen for the Raiders are now in quarantine and will be tested Sunday morning before the game um, to see if they indeed have COVID-19. The Raiders are coming off of a big win against Kansas City. Henry Ruggs is looking healthy uh, and looking dynamic. They play the Bucks this week. It was supposed to be a primetime game, no longer a primetime game. They got moved out of the spotlight. And you know what? The Raiders cannot play this game on no offensive line. Most teams have probably three to six backup linemen. Um, so if one of the backups get hurt, I don't know exactly how many of the Raiders have on their roster, but if, if one of those linemen gets hurt, they might have to put a tight end um, at, at offensive line. And then you do not want to do that if you're the Raiders, especially going up against the pass rush of the Bucks. Um, the Bucks pass rush is going to shred through that offensive line. And no matter how much separation Henry Ruggs gets or how bad he burns the corner going up against him, which the Bucks have two pretty good corners, but no matter how much separation he gets, Derek Carr is not going to have the time to throw a good ball 50 yards down the field to uh, wide open or not. doesn't matter. Henry Ruggs um, simply because the pass rush is going to be all up in his face with Barrett and Pierre Paul and, and Dominican Sue and Dominican Sue. And, and you know what? The, the Raiders have to, if these guys cannot play, they have to either ask for a rescheduling of the game or just a postponement of the game because they are not going to stand a chance if they cannot have their starting offensive line. Um, last thing before we end, sources say that Des Bryant is getting a look from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, this would give the Ravens that added physical physical receiver, but I don't think it's too much of a difference. They are not – they should not be a passing team. I don't think they're going to be a passing team. Um, they should be a primary run first team, and I think Des Bryant could add a dimension to that team that makes it even more formidable. But with Yannick Ngakwe now as a defensive end there, the Ravens are looking so, so scary. Um, it's up to Lamar Jackson and his processor, not necessarily his weapons that he has, to get the Ravens deep into the playoffs. Thank you all for watching Sports Headlines. We are the most authentic place in sports. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Headline 8 and on Instagram at Sports underscore Headlines 4. Uh, thanks to PodGo um, for sponsoring this podcast and Crossover Media at Crossover 365 on their social media platforms uh, for powering this podcast. This is Warren Sanker. I uh, wish you a great rest of your day and signing off.